Welcome one, welcome all to The Tension. I am your host, Mick White. The Tension is a podcast all about putting two theological subjects into right relationship and finding the truth that God desires for His church. It is our hope that the show will be able to reach the lost, equip the saints, and challenge you to think deeper into the things of God for the glory of God. We are so blessed and excited that you have decided to spend some time with us and pray that in some way you will be blessed by the conversation. I am joined, as always, by my brother eric how are you brother eric doing well this morning brother how are you i am i am super good super good um so today we are going to be inside the tension of the original covenant versus the new covenant and what the truth is there so in uh, as i was putting together this episode uh we were gonna start with the opening i have here which is a lot of reoccurring problems that we see in Western Christianity is the fact that we are so far removed from the cultural context that the scriptures were written in. They were an Eastern collective while we are a Western individualistic culture, so we put a lot of emph- emphasis on the Western individual and not on the collective. And that creates a whole plethora of problems that I have seen and it's a lot of the it's because it's, it's basically as interpreters which you, you have said we're all interpreters of the word but when we're not putting the right lenses on we begin to do what we do with it as interpreters um any, is there anything that you want to add to that because I feel like you you get off on like you explain this much better than I do it's you know most of the time but but that that's the biggest problem is because we're interpreters and we read it with the wrong lenses, we get kind of far, sometimes super far removed from what is actually going on. Would I be correct in that? Yes. And just like anything else, I mean, one of the first things that I was told by a senior Christian when I first came into faith that actually had impact because I, I actually found someone that would pour into me is that if you'll read three books on any one subject that you would be 80% smarter than the people that you talk to and um randolph is the last name of the author misreading scripture by individualistic eyes or misreading scripture by western eyes both of them are excellent books but it's an eye-opening account for you to be able to do one-on-one with the lord and holy spirit as as you read those books unless we do the legwork of entering into the context that god had made it known from the original author to the original audience we interpose or we put on top of what's being said where we are and what we think so collectivist means community um when you get over into an eastern culture you think of the orient and the orient has parables like the tallest grass is the first one to be cut which means all the grass grows together and if you're the one that outgrows the others you're going to be the first one to get your head cut off now we teach in the west individualistic materialistic capitalist system that hey man if you can go the earth is your oyster and and if if it go 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 um and and there it's either it's both and it's not either or because ultimately Mm. where we live matters because god put you there act 17 he's the one that puts you in your borders he's the one that's assigned you where you're at if you would grope around you would feel him and you'd meet him right where you are so it's you're not going back to learn about it to be like them you're going back to read about it because the authority was given to them in their message. So we have to understand what God, what God was saying in that time to those people for us to understand the true application. And 
without somebody actually walking with you or without those simple, like, like I just gave you a couple of references, without you doing a little homework, we naturally do what we don't understand. Um, so yes, yeah, that, totally. it, it's definitely very important. Yeah. And super, super important. So I guess from there, with that being, with that being established, we will, um, we will just get right into it with the, uh, the first question, man. I'm, I'm, I'm super stoked, dude. I'm excited that we're actually getting into the nitty gritty of the of the platform. It's going to be super cool. So, everybody, uh, fasten your seatbelts because uh, this could be. I don't, I don't know. We'll just we'll just see where it goes, man. I'm 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 super pumped. So, uh, yeah. So the first question that I have is, the original covenant was all about works and the law. The new covenant is all about grace. This is a wide understanding most, among most churches today, but a deeper dive into scripture. Jesus is also inviting us into doing, or as we should say, into action, acting out what we believe by loving God and loving others at the cost of ourselves. In my studies, I have been shown that this is a both and, not an either or type of situation. What is the disconnect inside of our understanding of the two covenants and can you elaborate a little bit more on the both and versus either or? So we're going to work backwards, and you'll continue to hear me say that just like reading Scripture, if it's true forwards, it's just as true backwards. So Amen. the difference between the either or and the both and is this. Jesus Christ, the entire time he was here, continued to repeat, I do nothing of my own accord. I only look and listen to what the Father would have me do or say it's all about the father's glory why do you call me good only god the father is good and he continued to say this is always about one person and one thing and that's the name and the glory of the father amen and a lot of people make it about the name and the glory of jesus and if jesus was talking to you he'd say you're missing the point i don't even know where you got that from that's not what i've said everything i have said is i am the door into a new relationship where everything is about god and not about you and then you go to the average church service and you hear Jesus loves you and this is about your life mm. being better and you having your best life now. Yeah, come and on with that. You're missing you're missing the story of the gospel. The gospel is the good news of knowing that you're not okay. The good news is knowing that you're broken. The goodness is knowing oh, yeah. that now that you know that, you can stop being that hypocrite or you can yeah. stop living that lie. So when when we look at that, if we make our understanding of spirit and flesh either or then you're either just about your flesh or you're either just about the spirit oh, and if man. you're That's just good. about the spirit you're charismatic you you're uh, this is what we do because we are spirit but yes you fail to realize you're living a physical life that holds you accountable to the things that you're saying that aren't real hmm. ultimately that's either or on one side now the other end is the fleshly doctrinal you're going to lose your witness if you do bad and you're going to make you look bad and you're going to make the church look bad and you're going to make your parents look bad and and it's all this what you do that becomes what matters and then you're not really understanding your spirit you're not understanding who you are it's what you do now the bottom line is when we look at it in the way that it's been put in front of us on average is that the old covenant or the original covenant is about the things that we do and how we can't and right. then the new testament is about how god has done everything that we couldn't do yeah. and has done it all for us now the weakness is the beauty or the strength in that is this that yes you can't and now there's an answer and then the answer is god has done it all and praise the lord for what he's done now the weakness is in that is 
I couldn't do it, so God did, so I don't have to do it anymore. Mm. Or God's done it all, and it doesn't even matter what I did because I'm a beloved child of God, and the only thing that matters mm. is who I am. And then you end up in the pride of your spirit, and yeah. both of them disconnect you That's true. because you're not putting together. So now let's look at what Jesus Christ came to do. And remember that eternal life, it's to know the one true God, that yep. would be the Father, Amen. and Jesus the Messiah. So he came as the Messiah, he, became, he came as the anointed one, both and 100% flesh, 100% spirit to become the door of bringing them together. Right, right. So as soon as you say you want to prefer one or the other, you're tearing apart what Christ has tried to make open to you. Watch out. Because he, he, he has put them together. So when you read Jesus' words, he's going to say, no, no, no. You're not going to change a dot or a tittle of the Word because the Word is eternally secure and will always be the Word of God because He has no shadow or change. Amen. So then when you start to look at that and you say, okay, I can't do that. And Jesus would say, well, welcome to the original covenant. <laughs> That's right. And the original covenant is like if you went to the doctor, an illustration that, once again, isn't mine. I read it somewhere, but it's simplistic enough for everybody to fall in love with is okay. if you went to the doctor and the doctor came in in their white coat and their little clip pad and they said, hey, you've got cancer. Mm. Now, we need you to come in this afternoon. I mean, we can't wait until tomorrow. You're going to come in this afternoon and we're going to do some MRIs and we're going to do some projection and we're going to put some dye in. And, and, and they, they do all these tests. You wouldn't go home and say, well, I'm cured. You haven't even found out what's wrong yet. The reason they were doing the test is because it was beyond words. And yeah. now tomorrow or whenever the test results come back, you're going to hear the diagnosis of what's wrong. And then, right. and then, not either or, and then have to have the surgery or the procedure, the time and the process of taking care of what was made known right now even inside of that the old testament is the test the old testament is the scan you are dead right you cannot do it mm -hmm. there is this law or this expectation or this wisdom that says this is the truth and moses came with the law and the and jesus came with the grace and the truth so as we understand the truth and we look into that law it's saying that you have been diagnosed spiritually dead, separated from God, and you must have an answer. Good news is I'm going to send one that you don't deserve, which is grace. Right. So in the original covenant, you have both law and you have grace. So then Jesus Christ comes with grace and truth to be the, the, the answer, to be the cure, to be the one that's going to do the time and process, the relationship, the surgery. He's going to be the one that saves you. He's going to be the one that right. redeems you. But you have to know that you have to have a redeemer. Okay, i.e., the original covenant. Right. You have to know that you need a Savior. Savior from what? What the test has shown you. Right. So if you say, oh, I don't like that Old Testament God, well, congratulations for the first time you just had God in your mouth for the, the right way, for the right reason, for the first time, because He is God, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and you're not Him, and He is good, and you're not, and He is holy, and we are not. And, but there's this promise. So then both and, when Jesus Christ took on flesh, and no separation of his spirit, right. he made us be able to understand who we are and who he is and put those together in hope and faith to where now we can live as the mess ups that we are inside of the hope of everything he is in right relationship of looking forward to where today matters. Right. So uh, let, let me just just real fast there. I don't want to like cut you off too, too mm -hmm. hard, but... Um, 
So it sounds it sounds to me like a lot of this is is like the both and applies to the human aspect, human understanding, interpretation, where the either or is basically he's either God or he's not. Right. I right. So basically the both and applies more to us. Um for our understanding and our growth and all of that, where the and based solely off the premise of either he's God or he's not. Because if you lose absolute truth, then we end up in a whole lot of other philosophical and psychological conversations that have been laid out before us in history. Right. And no, you're not talking about deconstructivism, and no, you're not talking about uh, polytheism, and, and you're not talking about the things of trying to tear. God is one, right? And that means he's absolute and he's sovereign. Right. Which means when we speak of God, it is either or. Right. Now, when we apologetically take that forward and we start to conversate to each other and I take an either or approach to you, I'm taking the position of God and I was never meant to do that. Oh, come on with that. Pointing to the absolute truth of God and us together struggling towards what neither one of us are is the both and. Okay. And then once again, even with the original covenant, you have those that have the expectations and law that they can't keep with the promise of grace and hope in the fulfillment or sending of the Messiah. Right. So you have law and grace in the original. Right. Then we get to the New Testament where Jesus Christ says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. All you have to do now is turn and believe in what I've done. I am the grace and truth, but I have a law. It's called the law of Christ. Now, okay, so there's one thing that I want to say here because I was reading this also when I was doing um, the the lesson for Wednesday when I was reading uh, in Luke seven with the, um, the simple woman, um, right before that, John the Baptist is in, is in prison and his disciples come and they, they go in and they, the disciples even ask Jesus about, you know, is this, um, Ezekiel or is this the prophet Elijah? I think it's Elijah. Is this the prophet Elijah? And then he basically tells John's, John's disciples to go back and tell him that the time has come that the blind, the blind see, the the lame are healed, and all that is that was that Christ in that moment basically saying that the law and the prophets, um, time had been fulfilled, and that this was Christ coming in to fulfill that and establish the the grace that you were talking about because it it seems like in a sense the first in the old in the older covenant that it's about the law and what was the word that you said? The, the the two that you had together. It was the it was the law, and then it came because Christ came to offer the grace and the kingdom at hand. So it's like they had their they had both of their purposes. So in giving it to us, I I kind of saw the this is oh this is where the both end comes in with this with what Christ is teaching right here. He's already like. In the very beginning, basically, this is, you know, right after the, the Sermon on the Mount. This is, like, right where he, like, announces everything, and then now he's putting it in front of you right now. But it's also a message for those that were a part of the Older Covenant, the Law and the Prophets. But is that yay or nay? So some things we, when we think about Jesus Christ, remember, he came for the Jews first. Told the Gentile woman, I'm not here for you, until right. her yeah. saving faith of not willing to hear no saved her because he was here to bring together those that are far off and those that are near. That's Ephesians 2. Mm -hmm. I came to preach peace to those that are far away and preach 
peace to those that are near to bring the two at to be one. So it's both and mm. um, I've got sheep of this flock, but yet I've got another flock that no one knows about yet. And, and he is that bridge to bring them together, not. But once again, he says, I bring a sword, not peace, right. because ultimately it's going to bring a sword inside of each individual, because now you've got to do some business with the <laughs> fact that God says, no, yeah. no, no, I have to be your savior. I have to be your redeemer. You can do nothing apart from what I've done. However, you've got work to do, and you're going to be accountable and responsible and judged at the throne of the Lord of Lord, King of Kings, off of what you actually do and say, and I don't show favoritism. So a lot of people will pick one and ignore the other. And when we do yeah. that, you've got to remember, where you talk about John the Baptist, let's get to Jesus and then get to John the Baptist when, okay. Jesus, when okay. John the Baptist gets to it. Because ultimately, when we go back to... Jesus in uh, Matthew 5, mm -hmm. and in Matthew 5, which is ultimately what I'm preaching this week, so I've, it's dead <laughs> up in my, and, and everything that I'm going to think about. But, it's, a, it's amazing how the Lord works, huh? Well, and it's yeah. amazing how it's all one message, and the point yeah, is, man. we're trying to explain it away. The answers are all around us, but... Oh, uh, so it, you mean, wait, so you mean, you mean to tell me that there's a possibility that I could be wrong? Uh, no, there's no possibility you could be right. <laughs> And, 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 and the beautiful thing is, is there's no possible way I could be totally right. Yeah, so dude. we're both yeah. wrong and right. Right. Trying to pursue the way, the truth, and the life. Dude, trying amen, to enter dude. into the door. Trying amen. to do that together. To, once again, in, in Matthew 5, 17, it says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have come to a, not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Mm. Now, that fulfill them does not mean to get away from. Not It means... I have perfectly embodied everything the Old Testament said you could be so that mm. you could be like me. I'm mm. thinking that's Christ-like Christian. <laughs> yeah. Imitate me like I imitate him because it's an invitation to enter into the kingdom, to oh, have yeah. a kingdom, three but yet one, is to be the people of God, the place of God, inside the presence of the authority of God. There it is. All one heart relationship, yeah. all equally important, right relationship to where they're not arguing with each other, if your mouth is not backed up by your actions, mm. there's a disconnect. It doesn't make you go into hell. It means that you're, you're, you're missing what God right. has made available. Yeah, yeah. So then when I see your blind spots and you see my blind spots, yeah. and together we talk about how we have it wrong or have it right, as yeah. long as we don't start to think we're the absolute God, then <laughs> we can have a conversation. Yeah, and that, that there, is, there is a huge, huge thing going on with that right now. And a lot of churches, dude. I mean, a lot of people, like, it's tough right now to go to somebody and tell them where they're where they're messing up at and but doing it doing it in love though doing it the way that Christ commanded to it because I know I'm guilty of it I'll go ahead and tell you right now my wife tells me all the time about things that I need to work on and my natural fleshly instinct is to put my hands up and defend and defend myself because I'm not I'm not receiving it in, and I'm not receiving it in love when really if I, if I stood back and got out of my emotions and the way that it makes me feel and look and see that God has blessed me with someone in my life that can come to me and say, hey, honey, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever, da, 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 da. And then I'm like, you know, 
she's actually right. And here's where the conversation comes. <laughs> yeah, right. But it also pisses you off. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, no matter what, even if you want to act super spiritual today, you may not feel super spiritual in 10 minutes. Yeah. And But when you're really close to God, amen. And when you're far away from God, amen. There's learning yeah, opportunities in both. If you're close yeah. to him and you draw near to him, you're going to learn new and amazing ways to praise and worship. If you're far away from him, you're going to learn new and amazing ways to cry out and be dependent. Oh, that's but good. To, to try and pretend like both and aren't happening right. is to choose one over the other and then have to be a hypocrite even in your own head <laughs> to be able to be in his presence and he's saying no don't, don't do that so yeah. the only way you're going to be able to ask those questions and have those conversations is to hold yourself accountable to the same relationship if you're not preaching yourself the gospel that you're broken but yet fixed yeah so that when you talk to somebody about their brokenness you can talk Paul would always lead in with their positives. Right. So once again, inside of being a um, supervisor and you're going to give evaluations, always right. start out with their good traits. Oh, yeah. Because if you start out with their bad traits, they're never even going to hear the good traits because they're already like, oh, this <laughs> dude right here has <laughs> already said this right here. I can't believe. Just the other <laughs> day I did out. this and this. And they're not going to hear it. Right. But if you'll, if you'll honor them and pull them into the conversation, mm. they know what's coming. You know the other foot's coming. You're oh, not just going to yeah. tell me that without it. But at least you did that for me before I had to hear what you had to say. And I believe that you did it because you cared. Yeah. That's why you did it the yeah, way you did good. it. So if you don't do it that way, I believe you did it because you don't care. And now right. I feel offended and I feel disrespected. Right. So a lot of the conversations that people feel that they're offended with, it has a, just as much to do with the one speaking as it does with the one listening. Mm. And we've got to learn how to, how to bridge that because we're the mediator, not them. Yeah. So when you were talking about what you hear inside when you talk to your wife, I mean, even in the Beatitudes, before we get to Matthew 5, he talks about you have to be broken in spirit and, and, and contrite so that you start to mourn on your inner man so that you can be comforted on your inner man. Mm. But the next one is to be meek. And that means you're going to start hearing, yeah, it's great that you feel that way about yourself. But let me tell you, dude, you're pretty messed up. And I keep seeing this right here. You're like, no, I'm a super <laughs> Christian. You're like, no, what you are is a liar and a hypocrite. Because right over here. And, and, and instead of that offending you, you can say, man, I'm glad that you pointed that out. Yeah. Let me address that instead yeah. of doing the same thing the world does with it. Now, right. if you can do that in your own life, you start sharing your life experiences with others. And they connect with the fact that you're not on a pedestal and you're not trying to tell them what they should do yeah, that's good you're trying to lift them up the way that god has lifted you up and, yeah. and it becomes natural well yeah it becomes it it's like the it's the outpouring of the inward work and that, that's kind of what i hear when you when you say that like what god's doing in your life you then begin to outpour it comes out of you basically because i always think it always reminds me of where christ says it's not what goes into a man that defiles him but it's what comes out of him right this is what defiles him. So you have to be more important because at the end of the day, we're all responsible at the, at the throne of God for ourselves, not for other people. And then I try to tell people that all the time, that it's not necessarily, at the end of the day, it's on you. Like you are accountable. And as much as our society wants to run away from accountability, you're not getting off with, I mean, like it's, it's not that way. If you break the law and you get caught, you suffer the consequences. Yeah, if you break the law and get away with it, you may not suffer the consequences now, but I promise you, Scripture says, everything done in the darkness will be brought to light. You will, you will see the fruits of it somewhere on the other side because more than likely it's going to lead you into doing it more because you didn't get caught last time, which only increases your, the, the chance or the, or the inevitable other foot to drop 
of you getting of you getting caught. I mean, it's almost like we try to lie to ourselves about about a lot of things. It's it's so interesting to me the way that. When, and people... I want I want you to go back and rewind and listen to yourself. Okay. Because and I, once again, if you're listening to us for the first time, I want you to hear what I say and then go back and rewind and listen to both of what we say. You just said you're not going to get away from not getting caught. Right. That everybody's going to hear your secrets scream from the top of the roof because you're going to end up getting caught. Oh, yeah. And it's a individualistic Western understanding of a judge that's finally going to catch up with you with a punishment. Yeah. And that's a true statement. Yeah. But that is not the way that the author or the audience heard that when it was written. So here's an example of that cultural angst is when they heard that, they heard my family is going to hear how I dishonored their name mm. and God's name when it's proclaimed in front of others. And it breaks their heart that others are going to look at their family that way. And they never even realize they're an individual and they're going to get in trouble. They're more worried about their family's name and honor and being in right relationship. And now, once again, it's both and it's not either or. If you click one and say that one's right or wrong, you're missing the lesson of bringing them together, which is what Christ came to make available. You are individually responsible for your choices, and they will birth situations, circumstances, and punishments. Right. I promise. <laughs> However, when you do those things, it affects your family's name. It affects the name of God. It yeah. affects who you actually are. And there's this meta narrative and this micro narrative. And if you pick one or the other without honoring both, yeah. you end up with missing the point. Yeah. You came out of Luke, I'll come out of Matthew, where John's disciples go to Jesus, and Jesus answers them and says, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And then when they go away, Jesus turns to his crowd that's there. These aren't John's disciples, and says, So who did you expect to see when you came out? Yeah. Somebody bruised like a, re a reed. Before we go forward, let's talk about his disciples. Jesus has John the Baptist's disciples show up while he's teaching others that are around. Right. Pharisees and those that don't know about God. Right. Then John the Baptist's disciples show up and he's like, oh, is that what John was asking? Well, I'll tell you what. Here's the thing. John was promised by my aunt, his mama, that he was going to be second in charge and that Jesus was going to overthrow Rome and that all this is supposed to happen. But John's in prison. And John's saying, hey, yeah. this ain't supposed to be happening. That's not what my mama said, right? Yeah. Well, mama's wrong again. Okay, so he sends his disciples. Oh, yeah. His disciples say, hey, we know what the Isaiah said about the right. Messiah. We know what has been promised. And inside of that, he says, well, good. I'm glad that you know the word of God. And now that you know the word of God and you see it in right relationship in the world, right. both and he says, listen, the blind receive their sight. Meaning as soon as you think you can see without them, you're blind, mm. but you were blind when you received your sight. Mm -hmm. So you got to keep them both and to where, you know, you received it by grace, yeah. but now you get to go after the law. Uh, uh, All right. So, uh, so once again, if you were lame and you say, you know, it religion is the opiate of the masses. It just makes them feel better about themselves. You know, they think it. He, you're right. I'm crippled without it. I can't walk. I need him to give me the ability. Right, but yeah. as soon as I think I can walk by myself, I'm taking the glory of God and I'm losing my relationship. Oh. The dead are raised to life. The only reason I have life is because he died. The only reason he died was so that I can have life. Yeah. It's both. And if you separate it either or you miss what has been made available and you wow. end up with a false gospel right. that has no power to change. 
If you keep going down mm. in that particular passage of scripture, he says, what am I supposed to say to these people? This crooked generation. You know, it's like the kids that come to the, and I'll, I'll read it instead of just going off the cuff. <laughs> but it says this. Shout out to Logos. Well, once again, I'm going to go down on Logos, yes. But it says, um, what should I compare this generation? It's like a child sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their playmates. Mm. We played the flute for y'all and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John, that would be the Baptist, came neither eating nor drinking. And they said, he's got a demon. And the son of man came eating and drinking. And they said, look at him. He's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified in her deeds. Now, what you need to understand is wisdom is the Torah, according to the Jew. Yep. So the wisdom of God is now justified by these two both and options. Right. But if you look at one and say, oh, that's too hard. I mean, it's just law. <laughs> My goodness. That's the Old Testament. Oh, that's yeah. that God that killed everybody. No, that's God, 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 the one that doesn't change, God. All right. Now, it's pretty important that you know God. Okay. Yeah, but now yeah. that you know God, you know that you need God because that's a pretty dangerous thing, beautifully. But now he has taken on a relationship as your Savior, the Son, Jesus Christ. And to know him means that you can enjoy who you are, knowing about your failures. And and Mm. when we go back to the marketplace, the only things that these, well, the the biggest things that this people group at that time celebrated were weddings and uh, funerals. Seven day process. Seven's important as far as numerical number. But it's like this. When they went to the marketplace, they didn't have daycare. Right. So if their parents go to the marketplace to sell their goods that they've grown and their first tenth is going to God and they're out there doing what they do, the kids had to go play. Yeah, they they had to come, man. We used to run around the parking lot at church. You know, we'd come in just sweaty and nasty and the parents were like, oh, gosh, y'all go sit over here. You stink. But we were having a blast because we were at church. Well, they're having a blast with their family in a right relationship with God. And he's saying, hey, here's the problem, though. Mick, you're going to be a team leader. Eric, you're going to be a team leader. Now pick. And we pick our teams, right? And you right. end up with the guy that thinks, hey, I'm number one pick. And you end up with the kid like, man, I'm the last pick or the second last pick. All right. But in those dynamics, we say, what we're going to do is we're going to play wedding. And they're like, no, nah, I don't want to play no stupid wedding. Okay, well, fine. We'll do a dirge. No, nah, I don't want to do no dirge either. Now, these are the same folks. You know, <laughs> right. and it ain't like some didn't want to do wedding. And then when you change it, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. No, they didn't want to do either one. And Jesus is saying, so here's the thing. It doesn't matter whether I come with the original covenant or whether I come with a new covenant. The problem is it's not your covenant. Mm. The problem is it's not about you. The mm. problem is you don't want to play the game yeah. of God. You want to play the game of Mick or Eric. Yeah. And because I made you a leader inside of the true game, you've right. become something that you're not supposed to be, which I think that's over in Ezekiel where he wanted to be like the most high so he set himself up Mm. in that position it's not rocket science he made it for us to be able to understand it's just in the simplicity there's a lot of complexity but yeah ultimately those those answers are there and it's always been one story and the gospels is the bridge between what we call the new covenant and the old or original covenant and all i can tell you is this jesus only attested to the old Mm -hmm. the original yeah well i mean it's a and I, I try to tell people that all the time. I was like, when you read the New Testament, man, what are they referring to? Because they're not referring to the New Testament. It hasn't been written yet. So, and these people, I mean, these folks knew their Old Testament. It's not like like they were they were an uh, audible culture. Like people like knew this thing. Like they could recite it. They memorized the Torah. Yeah, they, they memorized it. it Both was, by math and by words. So when you get into Revelation, those numbers mean something because they learn their math off of the Torah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I've seen, there's so many ways they can go. But, I mean, the thing about it is, is and I, I think that that's, 
that's what we're that's what we're missing. And and even case in point, like going back to a little while ago, and you called me out, and I did it anyway. See, I, we naturally we naturally do that. I mean, I, I wasn't even thinking about it. I just did it because because inside of the culture that I was raised in for you know thirty thirty three years, you know, and, and now going into the Eastern culture and looking at it, I've only been doing it for like a couple months, you know I mean? Just reading, reading a little bit here and there and studying it. So like my journey into that culture has just begun. It's not like I'm well versed in it, but the little bit that I know when I present it to other people, they just look at me like I have seven heads and they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, but see, that's the problem. You don't, you're going to and me being aware of it, I still do it. You being aware of it's the blessing. Because uh, no matter where you started, whether you're from an Eastern culture or a Western culture, if you're going to honor the word of God, you're going to have to learn about what you're not. Oh, yeah. While not losing who you are. You know, in other words, it's not that what you did was wrong. It's what you've always known. But now that you've known that, this is where, oh, I'm a New Testament Christian. Well, what is that? (laughs) I mean, in other words, you don't know anything about where you came from. You don't know anything about the holiness of God. You just know that you've been saved from the God that loves you like he wants to to be against you end up with something that was never created to be that way right so once we realize who we are it's the door that's been opened to learn the other side john and 10. vice versa yeah john 10 absolutely uh but and then i think that's i, I shared this wednesday at, at church because i've I've heard some people say and I, in a way it kind of rubbed me the wrong way but now that god's kind of given me a different way to articulate it i think i can i can find it better <laughs> We do not read ourselves in into scripture in the sense of like, oh, look at me, I'm like David. You know, like this is my story. I, I but now I, I tell people I was I said, you don't read yourself into the scripture, but I promise you that you can find the condition of your heart in scripture because it's the it's the human struggle. You can find you can find where you've been at or where you're at. Or anything like that. And yes, you can apply it to a biblical story. I mean, you think about Jonah not wanting to go and give the word. I mean, there's that's been relevant in my life before telling, you know, God pressing on me to share the gospel with someone and then and then doing it and then they didn't want it, you know, at the same time. You know, I think that was one of you know, whatever Jonah's reasons were. And I think that that's that's it's it but the point is it's our human nature to go back into side of our culture. But that was a great point that you made that in knowing that it's a blessing. And I think a lot of the times we don't have the right lenses on and looking at it to see, amen, that's awesome that God has shown me that so I can get better, you know, or, or grow from this. Not, you know, because I mean, it's all about growth. It's all about moving forward, being known by God and being, you know, an active participant in the invitation. So you got the priestly prayer of Jesus in John 17, and this is where he's in the garden. They're, they're not able to stay awake and even help him out. He is aware about what's going to happen. And in John 17, 4, he says that I have glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Okay, this is before the cross. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he's already said, my, my work's accomplished that you gave me to do. Okay. Which was to teach the disciples about being in right relationship. Okay. Because then Jesus had to do the work that only he could do, which is the cross. Right. Okay, so being in right relationship was the work that Christ came to do to leave for us. Now, when, when you're talking about listening to David, in that same prayer in John 17, he says this, Holy Father, keep, that means guard, watch over them in your name, 
not my name, but your name, mm. which you have given me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he received it from the Father. This is why. That they may be one, even as we are one. Mm. I am in you, and they are in me, so that they can be in us. So what that means is, if I'm the bride of Christ, and yeah. Mick is the bride of Christ, yeah. and David is the bride of Christ, and Joshua is the bride of Christ, then I'm in Christ, and Christ in me, and Christ in Mick, and then I'm in Mick, and Mick is in me, and I'm in David, and David is in me. So if David didn't live the life that David lived, right. I wouldn't know Christ. Ah. But now that I know Christ, yeah. the life that I live only makes David's life matter. Because right. if I don't, and nobody else does, then what he's done doesn't matter. So my life yeah. matters moving forward, i.e., works but not to get what's already been done but out of what's already been done so i get to do it it's out of an overflow of what i've received but there's still an importance moving forward because i'm my kids david i'm my kids joshua Mm -hmm. they're watching a lost and dying world including those that you love the most are watching you right i mean yeah that's man that's super super good so i think from there we're gonna move on because there's a little a fun fact that I have found and not a lot of people know of, and this is um shout out to John Walton and his book, uh, Lost World of the Torah. I said that correctly, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lost World of the Torah. I mean, awesome series. It's super deep and it will challenge you. Not going to lie at all. It was some of the parts where it was pretty much like I had to read a little bit and then kind of sit there and go, I don't think I understood what he just said. So then I would read it again. But man, I'm talking about so much growth from it and so much understanding. So we'll get into this uh, next part. And uh, I'm, I am super excited for you all to to hear this and have it have it uh, have Eric expound upon it. It's going to be really, really good. It is uh, all about a suzerian vassal covenant and uh yes it sounds really really weird but man man it is a man is it good so um yeah let's uh let's do that so yeah suzerian vassal covenant is um it's found in genesis 15 and unless you understand about the culture you really don't get any of this information you just kind of read it and you go Ah, huh, well, that's weird, and you don't really know what it means. You don't know what to do with it or anything like that. So when it was broken down and presented to me, dude, it was like my mind was just like blown, and it it was so cool. So I went out and shared it with a bunch of people. Then I went in and started doing, <clears throat> excuse me, more research into it, and it was just super cool. So I'm gonna let you expound upon what a suzerian is and what a vassal is. But first, I'm going to offer my question, and then if you want me to, I'll repeat it if you get to go and like you do. But uh, it says, in Genesis 15, the Caesarean Vassal Covenant will help us understand how we may have missed some crucial information and how we understand what our role and God's role in the covenant. All right, so number one, the Caesarean Vassal Covenant is not founded here in Genesis 15. Genesis 15 was written in a time period that everybody understood a Caesarean Vassal Covenant. So once again, it's us trying to enter into the original worldview of the author and the audience to find that authority that's there so that we actually understand the story that God is is, is, is revealing. Um, and, yeah, and that's, that's what we're attempting for. Yeah, that's totally my bad. Sorry. No, 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 it, it, no, it's not a, it's not a correction. It's just as, as you said, it, a thought. Yeah. Okay. Um, with that said, to understand Moses and Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy is a Caesarian vassal covenant document, the entire book. Hmm. When you run across that, you'll hear that it's a covenant document. 
That's what it's referring to, and it means that God was the sovereign king, and Moses was a vassal king sent to say, let my people worship and lead them out of the world, to then give them the law and set up the kingdom of God as Moses being a mediator. It says there'll be one like me out of my brothers, and points to Jesus Christ being the vassal king. <laughs> Lord of lords, king of kings, fulfillment of the original design, which is here back in the Torah. With all that said, and, and once where he's saying in John 15, we see this beautifully built out inside of Abraham's covenant where they cuts the first covenant with Abraham the father, which Genesis. is going to have Isaac the son. Genesis 15, you said John. Oh, I'm sorry, Genesis 15. And that's going to be beautiful to have somebody correct me that way. It, I, it's the right word, and words matter. Genesis 15. Amen. It's all Genesis 15 is where God is cutting his covenant with Father Abraham, changing his name from Abram to Abraham so that he could be the father and have Isaac, the son that has Jacob, the con artist that gets changed to Israel because they've struggled with God and with man in right relationship. This is where it starts. This is where that part of it is established or founded. So a Caesarian king is a sovereign king. He is the, 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 the might, the power. Like he's the dude. He is the man, all right? And then you are the man of your village so I don't know where everybody's listening from. We're going to just go with Georgia being an example. We're going to say that Athens, Georgia is, I, I'm, I'm king of Athens, Georgia. And go dogs. There is a, sorry. I, I guess to. everybody needs God, but <laughs> they win one season and, and this is what you get. Dude, but don't once take again, that away pride, from me. Pride is an amazing thing. However, <laughs> with all that sidetracked and it doesn't really matter. You have, I am the king of Athens, Georgia, and I am responsible for my people, and I have, a, I have my council. Well, all of a sudden, you know, the, the king of Macon starts to threaten my people, and I'm not sure if I'm strong enough to take that threat. So I go to the king of Atlanta, mm. and I say, look, my people have come for your protection, for your provision, we want to take on your name. We want to have your honor and respect. When they hear Athens, they hear Atlanta. And not just Atlanta, it's going to be Athens as Atlanta. We're going to get bigger together, but you are still the sovereign. I am laying myself at your feet. I am wanting to hear whether or not you will, by grace, enter into this covenant with me. And then if the Caesarian entered into covenant, he would come up with his rules or his laws. Now, these weren't rules that you had to do or you're going to get in trouble. These were the rules or the laws for you to be like him, for you to be in his kingdom. Like a it, representative, basically. For you to know how to act, how to walk. how. Right. Because the one thing you can't do if I bring you into a relationship that you don't deserve is then go ruin my name. Mm. And, you know, if I make you this, this sovereign over an area and then you start acting like it's all about you you're only stealing one person's glory and that's Ooh. the one that gave it to you and you're yeah, stealing right. mine so basically it's more of like you're an ambassador basically we are ambassadors of christ because christ was the ambassador of the father yeah. to where we are two steps from ever saying we're in charge right and that that's a that that's the part of that yeah. premise of that right relationship that's huge when that happens we pick up in God cutting a covenant with Abraham, and we're going to look for that language and, and with that background of a, a vassal king knowing that he has a people that he loves inside of an area that has a threat that is insurmountable without taking on the coverage or the name of the sovereign, we enter into God making this covenant to make Abraham his people, which once again is the first of the Hebrews. 
And it says once again that in 15 Genesis, he's he's asking God, how does he know that this covenant is going to be made? And, and, and that once again, he doesn't have a child of his own and that he's got this person that's a servant in the household. And he's like, go outside and look at the heaven and number the stars. And if you could count them, you can count them. Your offspring are going to be up to this number. And he believed Yahweh. He believed the Lord that he was going to do this. And it's counted to him as right relationship, righteousness. Mm. When God brings him out, this is what he ends up saying to him he says what i need you to do is oh lord how am i going to possess it he said to him this is genesis 15 verse 9 Mm -hmm. and he that being yahweh said to him bring me a heifer three years old and a female goat three years old a ram three years old and a turtle dove and a young pigeon and he brought him all of these and cut them in half and laid each half over against the other but he did not cut the birds in half And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Hmm. Then Yahweh said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land and that that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on that nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried in a good old age. And so this promise to Abraham about what's going to happen on the backside, the first thing that happens is this cutting of a covenant that may seem foreign to our ears, where God says, okay, Abram, I'm going to show you who I am as this great darkness comes to attack you. I need you to bring a cow that's three years old, a female goat that's three years old, a ram that's three, a three years old, a turtle dove and a pigeon, and he splits them in half side by side. So if I took a chainsaw and I split it forehead to tail and I laid it apart and all of, once again, if it's too graphic, I'm sorry, we live in a nation where people watch horror movies and I don't, but if you can do that, you can do this. The animal <laughs> splits in half and you got all the entrails and you got all the blood and you got all the guts and it's there. It's and definite. then he splits yeah. the goat and then he splits the, but he doesn't split the birds because once again, that has a deeper meaning that we don't have time to run every rabbit. When the animals are split and the covenant has been made and the suzerian makes his Un, his his law or his expectations known and the vassal says we, uh, we 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 receive these and we're honored to enter into them they would hold each other's hands they would take off their sandals and the witnesses that came from Athens with me and the witnesses that were there in Atlanta would watch me as the vassal king of Athens and the sovereign king of Atlanta walked through barefooted the entrails and the blood and the guts. And what we are saying in front of the witnesses of those that hold us accountable is if I fail to protect, this would be the sovereign to the, the, the vassal. If I fail to protect and provide for you underneath my name, may I be torn apart like these animals. Mm. I deserve to be treated this way. Mm. And the vassal, by holding hands in front of his people, which are going to be the witnesses to it, the, he, he says, we take your, uh, your law and expectations, and we're going to live up to that because of who you are and what you've done for us. Mm. And they walk together holding hands, sealing a blood covenant that they somebody has to pay if it's broken now if you notice inside of the scripture the birds of prey start to come the only job abram has 
is to try and defend what's going on with the birds. And then God knocks him out and puts him to sleep. No, it's interesting to note here, and I t- you told me one time before, mm-hmm. is this, this, am I correct when I say this, that this is the same, it's mentioned as the same deep sleep that was put on Adam when Eve was created, correct? So when he fell into a deep sleep, it's the only two times that that word is used in Genesis. So yeah, so that's a, mm-hmm. which I thought was another cool fun before fact. Before sin entered the world, there right. was this darkness. Right, right, right. That still had to have an answer. Yeah. When God told us to go and subdue the earth, there had to be something for us to subdue even right. before separation with him. So we've always had work to do. Right, right, right. And we're not going to go to heaven and play harps like, you know, Tom and Jerry and, you know, <laughs> yeah. we, we, we still were created to have dominion and to be his image bearer. But right, right now in this process, Abram can't do any of that Mm. he is totally dead spiritually separated born under Mm. a curse and he's making a covenant with authority and abram has none that's Mm. important because that means i have none that means mick has none that means there's only one that has authority and that's the king the federal head but with abram asleep two people walk through the yeah. blood, mm-hmm. and it says there's a smoking pot and a flaming torch. Flaming it? torch. So it says when the sun had gone down, it was dark. Behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, Yahweh made a covenant with Abram. Abram was knocked out of sleep because he couldn't do anything that was being done. But there was a suzerain and a vassal king that made this covenant that if this covenant is broken by Abram, which we already know is going to break it, somebody has to be torn apart and somebody has to go to hell and somebody has to atone and somebody has to make it right. So even at the point of Genesis 15, at the first cutting of a new people group, God makes a covenant with God that God will make the payment that no one can make. Mm. So you have... The law being given from the suzerain to the vassal, you have the grace of being put to the side because only God could do it, but the promise of I am. Mm. That's like that. <clears throat> when I was, when I, when I came across that and we, we talked about that, I was like, oh man, that is like, that is like so much impact. Like, and I, I didn't even realize what was going on. But once again, that goes back to also at the same time, too. You're wondering, I mean, some of you may be wondering, well, where did they come up with this idea? You know, because you're basically saying that, you know, and a lot of people get into trouble with this with the the doctrine of the Trinity, where they talk about, you know, modalism comes from this and all this, you know, God changing forms or whatever. But in their culture, they understood that there was a transcendent God and an incarnate God. They 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 knew those things were went hand in hand. It was not God changing into different forms. That's not what was going on. They they knew that to be true. Right? Absolutely. And and where this all sits inside of scripture is very important also, but that is definitely going to be another episode because after the Tower of Babel, which is Genesis 11, you have Genesis 12, which he says, I'm going to pick Jacob as my allotment out of the Deuteronomy 32 worldview, which will be a different time that we talk about that. But when he picks Jacob through the father Abram and the son Isaac, you have the suzerain, you have the vassal, and you have the one that can't get right. Mm. And then can't get right, gets changed to Israel, and we have the story of God that here is the cutting of it, here is the actual fleshing out of that promise four chapters later. But along what you were just sharing, they had to be able to be a polemic to the cultures around them. Mm -hmm. So this is what 
was going on inside of the Canaanites, the Philistines, the Ugaritics, the anything around them, it has to be a truth claim inside of what everyone can understand. So everyone understood the Suzerian Vassal Covenant. Everyone understood the sacrificial system. Everybody mm-hmm. understood what we don't because we are so <laughs> removed. But in their worldview, this is the same thing for today right. when somebody talks about different denominations right. or uh, polytheism versus monotheism or psychology and philosophy. It has to be a truth claim that people understand because God is making his truth known to those that can understand because you're accountable for saying, but I don't want to. Right. Willful ignorance yeah. is just as disrespectful and honor taking as not as seeing it and doing it right to not be willing to see it even when people are trying right it, it's it's two sides of the same coin but it's both turning away from the truth instead of tor- repenting towards it right 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 well and then that that brings us back to the to the both and not the either or so <clears throat> all this is working towards it's all working towards the same thing cuz like you said earlier it's 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 one story and Yes, we do. We do have a part in it, but also at the same time, too, when we don't understand God's part in the story to the full extent, because we don't necessarily have the right framework to understand because we just live in a different culture, we have to go back to the original audience and we have to understand that the Bible was written, yes, for us, absolutely for us, but it was not written to us, which is huge. I mean, it's super huge. And you turned me on to a book uh, by Dr. Michael Heiser, uh, Unseen Realm, which is a phenomenal book, and I totally recommend it 100%. But what trips you out more than anything is, is a lot of this information, he'll tell you from the, the onset of the book that I'm not telling you anything that academics inside of church don't already know. Like, they know this stuff. And it, which brought up a series of questions in my mind. I remember calling you being like, what do you mean people know about this? I mean, I've never heard this before in my entire life. You know, and, and it's super relevant and it does matter and it is important. But I think we've, we've gotten away from, we've gotten away from what, what, the, what the original plan and what our original role is inside of it because we've gotten further away from understanding what God's truth is for us to take part in versus church becoming a business and and which which leads into like a whole nother another topic and discussion but it does it it not understanding what is going on inside of scripture inside of that culture can lead to many problems and many misguided directions like i mean would you agree that it's just it could you could end up going 100 miles in the wrong direction before you realize man it kind of seems like we've gotten way off from where we were originally headed I was related back to the the um, Israelites in, in, in Egypt just wandering around in a giant circle. And my center stone to that would be where Jesus says, do you not know, have you not read? And every time he says that, he's only referring to the old original covenant. Mm. Knowing that the Roman Greco world was going to destroy the temple in 70 AD and it was going to have to answer all of the complex problems of Greek mythology and philosophy and the might equals right and the Roman pride 
and the things that moving forward, the worldview that swept it up. And, and the reason that there is so much known inside of academia and it's not getting filtered down to the church is because I'm sorry if it offends you, the church doesn't care enough. Mm. Um, if it, if you wanted to know and the information's out there, you could find out. Now you can find out about the Georgia Bulldogs and you can find out about Miami Hurricanes and you can find out about, <laughs> if you wanted to know, there's no nothing in between you and knowing. And But I don't like to read. But yet you'll tell me about the 36 Harry Potter books that you read or, or whatever it is that you read. And, and hey, I'm not against looking at football no, or no, reading fiction. No. I, I don't. What I'm saying is, is in right relationship, the consuming thing in our heart should be why we're here, why we say what we say, why we do what we do. Right. And if you're going to go back and find the answers, you're going to have to go back to the original covenant and the new covenant before man started their religion um, mm. and with the finished work of Christ. Because if you go back to the Jews, it's thus saith the Lord, and there was only one Lord, and there was only one way, and there was only one Messiah, and there was only one Spirit, and there was only one baptism. And when they said it, they meant it, and there was no other left or right, straight path, hard and narrow. And then entering into the Greeks, they said, but we don't want to make it that hard. We want people to be able to enter there. Here's these three rules to answer all of these questions that are going to be birthed. So you have this simplicity, both and complexity. So you have the simplicity of the old, original, and you have the complexity of the new reaching out to many different voices and, and, and hearts and cultures and places. But it doesn't matter if it's not both and for one thing, and that's the love of God and the love of others at the cost of yourself. That is how you tie it together inside of looking at it and realizing John Darby in 1850 came up with dispensationalism which meant we're going to cut it into seven different areas, and the motive of doing it is to where the church is in Israel. That way we don't have to listen to the Sermon on the Mount. Because <laughs> we can't do that. But if we cut it out and we yeah. say, you know, those dirty Jews have to do that. Good thing we're not in those. We're, we're the church. And it's like, I think that's what Jesus was getting on to the Jews about saying about the Gentiles. I mean, that's like right there in the scripture. You're going to take the same spirit at a different twist and say, no, no, no. He's going to suck me out and I'm not going to have to go through hard times. And those dirty Jews, they're not going to know what to do because the Holy Spirit's not going to be here. And you're like, I don't, I don't think the church was created for that. It says, if I didn't spare my son, i.e. Jesus, why would I? I spare you Ooh. oh well you know in 1850 we got in the enlightenment period we didn't really understand now it's all man-centered instead of god-centered mm. and this is what has to be said so that people continue making it relevant and we've made it all about man losing the both and 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 you end up with something that doesn't have any power to change and and or power to save if you don't understand the truth you understand a lie Oh. And no matter what, we've got misunderstandings. Yeah. But I mean, uh, that, but that, but that gets back to being humble, though. I mean, doesn't it? You have to be teachable. Isn't that one of the like the main? Which I find is so interesting. You look in the biblical commands for what it is to be an overseer, or an elder, or anything like that, and I'm pretty sure it says in there you have to be able to be taught and be able to teach. It's not a just be able to teach like you don't need to be taught anything because as far as, I mean, the last time I checked, I know a couple of things. There is a God. I'm not him. You're not either. And when they made every one of those rules, yeah, it was for the governing of what had already been taught and established, mm. not 
now that we do these things, let me tell you what to do because I'm the deacon or I'm the pastor or I'm the, yeah. and, and the assumed authority that no one has other than God. Right. Jesus continued to say, oh, I don't do anything in my own accord. Why do you call me good? He continued to lay the authority up because as soon as you assume the authority, you're trying to make yourself better than the most high, and, mm. and there's your trade. But when we say, hey, here's the, re- here's the requirements for leaders or elders or, uh, you know, when we go through the different ones, those are in the pastoral letters about how to keep the church functioning, mm-hmm. but the church was founded on, I don't know, I think it's the original covenant. <laughs> I, it, it's not what we did with yeah. Augustine, and it's not what we did with the church fathers, and it's not what we then thought about in the Middle Ages, and it's not what you know John Darby comes up with in eighteen hundreds, and then well you know the Methodist approach or the Baptist approach right. or the Presbyterian approach, and, and you say well, well let's get back to the truth. You know once the the Reformation was to reform the Catholic Church to go back. Well Martin Luther, where are we going to go back to? I don't know. How about the New Testament? When we go back to the New Testament, you know what the New Testament is going to say? Well you got to know the old testament wait i don't like the old testament that may be the problem that that might be where we need to go and learn if you don't know the god that jesus said he was here to represent Mm. you may not know the god of the bible Mm. and you may meet him and say that's great that you agree with it so do the demons that's great that you tried to do it in your own power and you got all the credit, but that's all you're going to get because depart from me, you worker of lawlessness, because you didn't know the law because um, that's the Torah. Mm. So, I mean, without even knowing what the Torah says and even trying to say, well, we don't have to keep the Torah. No, you're not doing it because you have to. You're doing it because he did, and this is what he loved and presented, mm. but we don't have to. Well, how many times do you say, I have to say, oh, I don't have to, to realize you don't want to. You're not part of it. You're not in the <laughs> yeah, kingdom. Dude. You're you're in your own kingdom. Yeah. And as long as you got a group of people around making you feel good about your kingdom and we all do mm. this and you're going to hell and we're going to be saved, it's like, I'll stick with Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I think, and we run into this problem a lot because you see with a lot of the like higher up, more popular pastors and stuff like that nowadays. And even, but dude, down, down to the level of the small town church, you know, looking and I can't help but see sitting back and I know that I would be guilty, guilty of it too, of being able to fall into that. I'm not, not saying that I have done it, but maybe I have, you know, or something like that. But when looking at, I've heard, I've heard plenty of times this don't come against him because of who he is. And I'm thinking to myself, like, what? The, he's not God. He's a he's a man, and if he's responsible for this sect of people, how do you? I, I think it's very interesting. You have a lot of people that'll say, "Oh, you're being like a Pharisee, or you're being like a Sadducee, and all that stuff." But really, when you go back and you read the Pharisees and the Sadducees, like in Luke seven, like we were talking about earlier, when you go back and look at that, there, what's happening there? You have them at a meal, sitting together, eating. You have um. What's his name again? Simon. Simon's correct. Simon. You have Simon there. He's looking at the sinful woman. He's saying, I, if, if, if he was a real prophet, he would know who that woman is, and he would not let her touch him because that's just terrible. That's just awful. So then Jesus presents him with a question and says, who do you think would love more? And he said, well, the one that forgives the greater debt. And Jesus replies to him and says, Simon, you have judged rightly. But then he hits him with, you didn't do any of the things that you were supposed to do, not one of them. You didn't do any of those things, but yet here this woman is that you have judged right in front of you for what she's doing and who she is. Well, really, it was more, I think I think really the, the, the case in point there was you're judging her for who she is, 
not paying to not paying attention to what she's what she's you know what she's doing which you should have done because you're supposed to know better yes and no oh okay so enlighten me Jesus is sitting there in Simon's house. Jesus already taught earlier that I tell you that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, that you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. When he's saying that, he's not saying that like what I preached for a very long time is, and they did everything better than us, but even that's not good enough because they didn't just, they didn't trust Jesus. And that is true. Mm -hmm. And they had their own righteousness yeah they had their own laws right and when we say jesus was a lawbreaker he can't be a lawbreaker because he keeps the law perfectly right but he broke man-made laws to where when simon says hey man if you knew what you were and he's like no i do know who i am problem is you're not willing to see who i am because you've got your own version of god and you've got your own laws and rules and you've got all your own expectations she came to me and accepted me for who i've been sent to be Mm. and you're sitting over there with all your man-made rules that you're not even keeping Mm. Hmm. now we're back to the hypocrisy now we're back to your righteousness just being your own movable pieces because all you got to do is say, yeah, well, I mean, at least I'm not like so-and-so. It's like, no, that's not the game with God. When he says, who's going to be forgiven more? All of us need eternal grace. There is no better or worse. We're all absolutely dead, spiritually separated. But I do such and such. And you just said it, which is pride, which is just (laughs) as bad as what you were doing because you're putting faith in something other than if I would fall in love with him and see him for who he says he is and let him be the Suzerian, I would become the vassal inside of the people's lives that I get to be part of that when they challenge my authority, I love it when you say my authority is my problem because that's the one thing I know that's not true. Yeah, You know, all the other stuff I'm at, I mean, I'm, 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 once again, I'm probably eat up with pride and and, and I'm not saying it's not true at all. I'm saying that I understand that part pretty well. I, I understand that I'm doubly accountable. I don't know. That's in the Bible. You know, and like like when I read it, it says, yeah, no one, not everyone should want to be a teacher right. because they're going to be held devilly accountable. Right. So if you want to be lifted up and you want to have other people say, oh, you can't question him because you know you're leading somewhere, it would be better for a millstone. That's in there too. <laughs> then to do what you're doing and you have to read that and ignore it, it's going to come back up. I'm just saying there, there's going to be this judgment day that those things are coming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and you know, I will say one of the one of the coolest things is about <clears throat> about this platform and doing stuff like that is that, like in presenting things the way that I see them, and as I'm learning and as I'm growing, yeah, it's super encouraging. And I hope that everybody listening to this, you can you can find someone out there that you can have these conversations with, and they can look at you and go, yes and no, and then they sort of kind of show you where what you're missing, and but also at the same time too affirm what you're understanding because yeah i don't see the whole picture completely and totally but we have to have we have to have that relationship we have to have that rapport and once again we're going back to the whole reason that we're doing this podcast is we're doing this podcast to build this community to to have where you don't have to like you don't have to be afraid like if you can't talk to your pastor if you cannot challenge what he says if you can't go to him and say uh dude what you just said I don't like help me see it. And you're just like, you can't, you can't get close to him. I I don't, I don't know where you're, I don't know what you're doing. I like, because like it isn't the whole point of a 
of a pastor to shepherd the flock, to be there? I mean, in that, like, and you've touched on this before. I think it's the difference between a preacher and a pastor. I love to preach because I don't have to pastor. And I, I pastor because I God it. called me to it. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not a profession. It's not something I would choose. No, I'd, I'd rather not be responsible for anyone else. I, I mean, right. because I understand it. Now, right. that doesn't mean I get to do what I want. That means that when God says, but this is the next step for you to grow, that I should want to take that step. But the key to this is for me and Mick to have that relationship, it comes back down to I have to trust him and he has to believe that I'm for him. Yeah. So we can go to a restaurant and we could be talking and I promise somebody in the restaurant as they're leaving will say, man, you really encouraged me by having the conversation that you're having. Now that's just them overhearing a conversation because there's a hunger and a thirst right. for true community. We just don't have anybody that's willing to trust anybody and we don't have anybody that's willing to believe in anybody. Mm -hmm. And if you go back to the scripture, he says, trust and believe is going to be the core of you and me and then me to others. And we don't have anybody willing to do that. When you're sharing what you read in the Bible, you should be able to share how you tried to do that. Right. And then when you actually tried to do that, it's going to teach you lessons that you need to go back and read your Bible. And then when you're <laughs> reading your Bible and you're trying to apply it, you yeah. end up with a story mm. and people love the story. I mean, that's, that's what's going to attach them because they're oh, living yeah. in a story too, but they don't have this relationship. The key to it all is it's about relationship. It's not about religion. It, it's about relationship. Yeah, absolutely. So with that being said, I guess we'll move on to our next question. And, uh, man, once again, we thank you for, thank you for joining us and hanging out with us. And, um, if you have any questions at all, we have a email that you can send, uh, get in contact with us. It is faith fleshed out at gmail.com. We will be setting up a Patreon, and we'll be setting up a Discord. We are still very uh, in our infancy with all of this, but we will be having all of those things. And we really encourage you to reach out to us, whether it be topics that you would like to uh, hear us discuss or anything like that. We really, really, really encourage you to interact with us, but also interact with the people that are around you, because that is what... That's what's truly missing, I think, right now is just having having these conversations. And the only way, it's like it's like you say, Brother Eric, the only way that you get better at doing these things is by what? By doing them. Yeah, there you go. And, and as my brother Mick's saying that, as you ask questions, what I hope to be able to honor is just that. You will be honored and respected. You will not be talked down to. Mm-hmm. That if you see things absolutely the opposite as me, I should be able to still love you and be able to communicate with you. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to be able to do that on your side, and I can't control that end. But what I am saying is, as soon as the Spirit of God, of love and being drawn to Him, leaves, then we need to disconnect from what we're doing so that we can continue on in the conversation at a later time. Mm -hmm. However... I mean, when we're talking about issues, we want to hear the issues that our youth need to have, have to have answers to, have to have relationships inside of, have to hear other people struggle with them. And it doesn't really necessarily come back down to that right or wrong. It comes down to, if you just believe one way, then you believe that's right, but you may never have actually entered into a loving conversation with others. Yeah, that's it. That's really good and like super super important. So yeah, so for the um 
final question. All right, we'll uh, we'll get into it right now. So, with our last question, I think. Well, before we get into the last question, I d I do want to say, just make it known really fast that yes, I I have been laughing a couple of times, and I'm not laughing at anyone in particular. I just honestly think that Eric is funny, and I laugh a lot, and and it's like a like a natural habit of mine anyway to laugh at awkward situations because I don't know what to do, so I just kind of laugh while I gather my thoughts. But at the same time, too, he's he's funny. So, and looking at his facial expressions, more funny than awkward. Yeah, yeah. Like when looking at his facial expressions and stuff like that, we joke all the time that he looks like if you put like rap lyrics behind him and put him in a rap video, like while he was preaching, like he has all the movements down so well. It is just absolutely hilarious. But it's all it's it's totally out of love, and we're 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 doing this because we feel like it it. It needs to be it needs to be done. There are conversations that need to be had, and and you know, we'll just say it out from out from the jump that like we know it's not going to be for everybody, but there are people that need it, and that's who we want it to be for. We're offering it to everyone, but at the end of the day, if you don't like what we're saying or you or you don't like what you hear, I mean, y you can turn it off. I mean, you don't have to listen to it, but I think what we did, what well, you what what you've done a great job of doing though, is laying out the fact that at the end of the day, you're, we're still accountable to God, and we encourage you to struggle, and we we want to struggle alongside of you. I mean, oh, Israel amen. is the struggle of God and mankind. So I mean, when we say that you can turn it off, that's if it's getting in your spirit and you disagree to a point where you need to disconnect. Then don't. I mean, yes, follow God's leading with that, but if you want to be heard we we hope to be able to put a platform there to be heard if if you struggle with certain things uh, we want you to be able to say that and 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 I want to be able to give you different things to go and read and to be able to go and research and to be able to do your own research to then have a conversation so yes allow the spirit to lead you but understand iron sharpening iron is not a smooth process no i mean growth Growth is painful. I mean, it, it is. I told, I shared that uh, Wednesday night at church that, you know, as much as I don't like to hear it, I remember not too long ago, I mean, well, frankly, uh, often praying, you know, God show me where I'm, where I'm falling short. And then my wife shows me where I'm falling short. And I'm like, man, she's always complaining. She's always just telling me I'm doing wrong and da, 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 da. And I go back to prayer and I go, God, show me where I'm to, oh, yeah, that's a, Oh, I, I, sometimes we tend to forget that God uses people. Mm -hmm. He uses people to answer prayers, you know, so it's very important that we keep that in mind. But this last question, here we go. With everything that's been said, if it is a both, both and, not an either or, how do the new and original covenants work together inside of the framework of both and? Also, what from the original covenant is still important inside of the new covenant? All right, so... Words matter, and the word covenant is the same word translated testament. So when you say Old Testament, New Testament, the word is actually Old Covenant, New Covenant. Mm -hmm. The reason I prefer original covenant instead of old is when you say old, it's like it's obsolete, and that's absolutely right. not true. Just because a new people group were giving a new promise, a day of grace, does not make the original any less valuable, any less true, any less the story, any less left behind. It's it's the fulfillment, not the abolishment. So with that said, if I had the opportunity to speak to any people group, or maybe today you don't really know 
whether or not you're in a relationship with God, whether or not you're saved, whether, you know, wherever you may be in your growth, if I meet someone for the first time in marriage counseling, well, in marriage counseling, the first thing I have to ask is, are both of you believers? Because if you're unequally yoked, no matter even if the person sitting next to you loves you with all their heart, says Mm -hmm. that I would never do anything to hurt the person that I love, Mm -hmm. if they're an unbeliever, the only thing they can do is manipulate them for themselves because that's the only thing that Mm -hmm. they have to worship. Whereas if one's a believer and is doing it for the right relationship of God and the other one is an unbeliever and doing it for themselves, I am giving them bullets to shoot you with. You're going to try and honor it and they're going to manipulate you with it. And Mm. I'm being used for something that I'm not there to do. So the very first thing we have to do is a heart check over whether we agree on what salvation is, whether or not you're in a relationship. And the easiest place that I've fell in love with doing this, whether it be marriage counseling, whether it be going in the jails, whether it be on an individual basis is and a beautiful way to tie the two testaments or covenants to see the unity of it is this covenant, this testament. There's only one word of God. There's only one testament. (laughs) Okay. There's only one covenant. There's just a new door unto the original. It's not like, oh, there's a new one and the old one doesn't matter because that's not how God works. Yeah. So once again, when we look at this and we say, Nicodemus, a Pharisee of Pharisees, um, goes through a transition of not wanting to let others see him um, falling in love with Jesus, to not wanting to let go of everything that he'd ever believed before, to struggle with this transition. So in, Gen- in uh, rather John 3, if I was in the jails or whatever, I'd say he sneaks to Jesus like a ninja at night. And, and what he does is he sneaks to Jesus and he says, listen, the things that you're doing, we know that only the Messiah could do or a prophet at, at, at minimum. And Jesus says to him, verily, verily, you must be born again. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read that to you, you know, word for word. He says, Rabbi, this is Nicodemus talking to Jesus. Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, verily, verily, I say unto you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Nicodemus says to him, what, I'm supposed to climb back up in the womb of my mother and be born a second time? And Jesus answered, verily, verily, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Holy Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, so there's a seeing the kingdom of God and there's an entering the kingdom of God. And they're two different things, Mm -hmm. but both have to take place, both and not either or. There it is again. So it, it, it is the way, it's the design of God. To where I used to be able to, because in chronological order, reading left to right, like a Western individual, I'm thinking, well, once I see the kingdom of God, then I'll be able to learn how to enter the kingdom of God. Mm. And the more I fell in love with it, it's like, no, until you enter the kingdom of God, you don't have the eyes to see the kingdom of God. Mm. So I I don't know which one's right. I don't know which one's wrong. I'm telling you, it really doesn't matter which one you start with. It's going to take both. And And so when we see that and we say, okay, Jesus gets challenged by a religious leader of the day that's scared about others seeing him because of the pride of his position in the world Mm. jesus says the first thing you need to know nicodemus is that you have to be born again or you can't see the kingdom of god so if we're talking about bridging the two covenants into one covenant one testament right he's saying listen you know the original covenant nicodemus and you know the signs that you've been looking for and you're seeing those signs but i'm not saying the message that you want Mm. so what i'm telling you is you have to be re born. You have to be reconnected. You have to be reestablished. He doesn't say born. Well, he does in five. He says to enter the kingdom of God, you have to be born singular of water and spirit. But the first one is you have to be born again or reborn. 
born again or reborn means you had it and you lost it. Mm. You were established. Now you need to be reestablished. You were born, but then you were dead spiritually separated and need to be reborn into that life. So if we're going to talk about the life that Jesus would be telling someone that knows the original Torah word by word and is a authority of it, but is so worried about what is being seen in the material world instead of what's going on in the spiritual world. And he says, you need to be reconnected, reestablished, re-given life. Where do you think we would find that at? Because if you're talking about the death, the separation that we were born into, where did we gain that? Well, that would be the fall, Genesis 3, where the serpent usurps the, the authority of Adam and the life of being in right relationship with God. Mm. So what if I told you to be reestablished would be the last two verses before Genesis 3. It would be like right before we lost it, if we were going to try and figure out where it's at, there's only two chapters it could be in. Right. And it's actually the last two verses, like, like right here, right before you lost it, this is what you lost. Right. You need to be reconnected to it. You need to be reconnected to this right here. So when we go back to Genesis 2, 24 and 5, it says this. It says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife both stood naked and were not ashamed. Reading backwards, just as true as reading forwards, to get rid of your shame and worrying about being naked and unprotected, you would have to come together, both and the man and the wife, have to become one. Now, therefore, you would leave your mother and your father. Every person listening to the voice coming through here was born of their mother and their father, born into this physical life. Amen. Meaning you were born dead and spiritually separated from your spiritual life, which we need to be reborn into, Mm. which is the born of water and spirit that we'll get into in a second. But Nicodemus's first problem as one that thinks he knows about Scripture but he just knows about religion because the relationship is suffering. He's saying the first thing you have to do is put to death what you got from your mother and your father and hold as the bride to your husband. Mm. All right, so Jesus Christ is the federal head. Jesus Christ is the last Adam. Jesus Christ is the man of heaven instead of the man of earth, and we could do that another time. That would be a rabbit. What I need (laughs) you to hold on to is this, and I want to go after it, but I can't. Okay, so... Ultimately, when I hold a, when I grasp the truth of Jesus Christ being my true husband, then I become the bride of Christ, receiving a new name, mm-hmm. a new family, mm-hmm. not by blood, mm-hmm. but by word, by invitation, i.e. testament, mm-hmm. entering into a covenant which is off of his word not a contract so i don't come to it trying to work my way into it i am given it by his word and the love of that word is what motivates me to do and leave my mother and father which is trying to earn my name and way in this world holding on to my husband jesus christ who is my protector who is my provider when i do that this is called uh Oh my goodness! Now I'm not gonna be able to think of it. Uh oh. Need totally. Yeah. I oh my goodness! I see the wheels turning. There's a big Christianese term that I'm not thinking of right now. That I I will as soon as I stop trying to think of it. But ultimately, it's where we get His righteousness, and He takes our unrighteousness. You're talking about propitiation? Nope, that's a gift that's given. No, that's not it. Sorry. And, um. I was anyway, trying. I think I even said it wrong. What I am saying is this. 
that when I leave my mother and father in this definition of life and I see my life holding on to my husband Jesus Christ as his spiritual bride, the two become one flesh and he takes my unrighteousness because we're one and I receive his righteousness because we are one. And the only reason that we are here is for the father's glory, name, kingdom. Oh, yeah. If I was to marry you today, inside of the sacred ceremony that we would be celebrating, I, as the pastor, would be mediating or presiding, as some people like to say it, as the voice of the Holy Spirit, making known to the witnesses what the Father has invited the Son to enter into with the bride. So in their culture, in their time, betrothal would have taken place. The father would have picked the bride, mm-hmm. then paid a dowry, mm-hmm. which happens to be the blood of his son, so that you're no longer owned by your old father, the devil. You're now entering into a new relationship by the choice of the father through the payment of the son. And he looks at you and says, through sickness, and health through riches and poor through the best life or the worst life until death do us part and he lives forever <laughs> right <laughs> right right totally let no man put apart what i've put together right. right i now make you man and wife off of each other's promise because neither one of y'all been rich or poor yet neither one of y'all have been healthy or sick yet you're right. literally still standing here in the ceremony that people are watching but yeah. you've said i do i give my word my vow so the covenant is the testimony and the approval of my love is being made known in my word and i don't break my word right. now god doesn't break his no but we break ours definitely so our faithlessness mm-hmm. is then in relationship with his faithfulness mm. to where you can tell the truth about your failures mm. because you're going to be able to worship his faithfulness as you fail. Right. So when I'm in the jails or the prisons and I think about putting, and we have a women's prison here, so it's, it's easier with women just because I hope guys can't think about the illustration as well as women, but ultimately say your husband's sitting in a dark kitchen and you've went out whoring after the world again and you come in with your fishnet stockings torn and your red lipstick all smeared out, been thrown around and used by liars, and then you come home to your husband and he's sitting at a table waiting on you and he's got tears in his eyes and he says, it hurts, but I'll never give up on you. Mm. Now, you've got all the evidence, Mm. and you've got all the shame, and you've got all the guilt, and you deserve it. Mm. But what will make you stop doing it is to know there's nothing better out there for you to find. Come on with that. And then the fact that you're breaking the heart of one that would never do it to you. Yeah. The fact that there's a sustained love even when you're unlovable to where you Mm. can fall in love to where love changes you instead of the law that you try to pretend like you're something you're not. Mm. You get to start laying it down inside of this covenant. You're getting to start to be reconnected to what we were born to be, and that's in relationship of dependence with God, but yet in that dependence being trusted in and believed in because of that love. Not saying you're going to do it right. right. I'm telling you right now, we were just as messed up. Well, not just as messed up, but we were mess ups before <laughs> fall, the fall happened. I mean, yeah. it's just the way that it is. Sin is not what you do wrong. Sin is not being in right relationship, mm. right or wrong. Mm. 
Um, so when, when, we, when we look at it that way and we're looking at covenant being not a contract, uh, most people inside of a marriage, a contract is, I mean, I'll do the dishes if you vacuum. I'll I'll right. wash the car if you cut the grass. I'll give you I'll, I'll give you cell phone service if you give me money. Uh, and, well, and that's a contract, yes. And, but yeah, but, but so inside of a marriage, well, yeah, yeah. understanding in a marriage, it's I'll I'll go to work if you go to work, but you you quit and see what happens. You're I'm right, not going to go to yeah. work if your lazy self going to sit around. No, uh, uh-uh, uh, you're not going to do that to me. And there there is that. Yeah. I'm good as long as you're good to me. I'll be good to you. Right. And that's not a covenant. That's a contract. Right. So like my brother Mick was saying, as a contract that outside of the marriage covenant to understand would be i have a contract with at&t or t-mobile or whoever it is that you have a contract with for your minutes on the phone right now that means i purchase x amount of minutes and i get those minutes and as long as i pay yeah but if i don't pay and i'll get no minutes there will be no more minutes for you until you pay (laughs) and back pay what you already owe me because i gave you a little bit of grace but that wasn't grace Mm -mm. that was just a cushion, <laughs> but you owe me my cushion. Right now, if your relationship is that with God, then you think when you're bad, you have to hide from Him mm. and you don't run to Him. Yeah, and and if you think that now that I'm behind, I have to overpay, mm. you are disrespecting the grace and the love that God wanted you to understand from His Son. Mm, that's good because that grace will change you. Right now, if we want to understand grace the same way as covenant inside of say you're a younger listener and say that you're you know once again we're talking about marriage you're not married yet and we're talking about you know minutes that you know if if you say that's your phone it's not your phone it's your parents phone and they and they pay for it so it's their phone yeah. all right but now say you're in school and i'm your science teacher and i don't know you've got a 13 in the class you take a <laughs> test and everybody else walks out and i'm like hey uh joe snuffy stay back just for a minute yeah. now you're like great Right, and then you walk up after everybody leaves. I, I once again, I just told you to stand by because I didn't want to say it in front of anybody else. I I honor you. I respect you. Everybody else leaves, and you walk up, and I'm like, "All right, look, Joe. I see that you're at least trying, and I want you to do better than this, and I think you can. I'm going to give you the same exact test tomorrow, mm. like the test you just took. I'm not going to change a thing on it. Yeah. I need you to study. Yeah. Now you walk out. And you come back in the next day and take the test and you haven't even studied because you're like, oh, I already saw the test. But you were wrong the day before. And you come in, you hadn't studied. What are you going to do? You might get a couple that you guessed wrong last time right. And yeah. say you got, I don't know, a 20 instead of a 13. Now, you should have studied because I gave you grace. Yeah. And I cared enough to say that you could be more. Yeah. And I was giving you a second chance to prove to yourself because I'm for you. You were studying because of the relationship not just the grade. Now, the grade still counts. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't, you're a fool. Mm. If, if, if I'm speeding and a state patrol pulls me over and he says, you're going 90. Do you know what the speed limit is? Okay, so what did he just ask me? You broke the law. Do you know what the law is? Because it doesn't matter what I answer. It's not 90, right? It doesn't, it doesn't matter <laughs> right. what it really is. I'm yeah. over it. And I'm like, um, 55. Okay, 55. I'm, I'm feeling generous today, which means I already have my quota and I don't need any more money. So I say, well, I'm feeling generous today. Keep it down. Yeah. And you squeal your tires and peel out and take off in front of me. 
what do you think I'm going to do when I offer you grace and you disrespect the grace that I gave you that you didn't deserve and I didn't have to? Yeah, I'm coming for you. And then disrespect me to my face. I'm coming for you. Guys, that's what's, that's, that's what's in front of us with this relationship with the Lord is I have sent my son. Mm. He has made the payment. You will meet him one day. Look him in his eyes and him ask you, what did you do with what I did for you? And if it's going to be a whole bunch of law that you had to hide from instead of falling in love with what he's done that you didn't deserve, you're missing that invitation. You're missing that promise. Um, And that's what I want you to see as you live. Yeah, that was really good, dude. And that was like super good. I mean, but yeah, I feel like that's a that's a pretty good pretty good stopping point. I feel like we've touched on a lot today, and uh, it's been a lot of fun, man. I really appreciate you sitting down and doing this with me. It's super cool. And this is just like a just one of one of many many days that we'll be doing this. But we we also hope that you have really enjoyed it, and we hope that maybe we have challenged you a little bit to think differently. We uh, uh, hopefully we haven't upset you by any means whatsoever. That's not our intent at all. It's just uh, to help everybody grow and to push forward and continue to um, be a part of what 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 God's doing in your life. And I, I <clears throat> excuse me, like I said, I'm just I'm super blessed by this, and I and I I hope and I pray that you were too. And uh, yeah, we'll be getting into all kinds of different topics. And again, if you would like for us to discuss something, you can go to faithfleshedout at gmail.com and send us your questions. If you just want to say, hey, anything like that, man, like we encourage you, please do so. We would greatly appreciate it. We also, uh, I would like to, uh, I'm putting this load on my shoulders here. We're very, very young in this and we don't have all of the electronics and all that good stuff and uh so if there's anything that went wrong inside the episode i apologize about that my on my behalf i will uh i will try to do better about that you know and also we'll be setting up stuff if you feel if you feel led to give and to help us out and to grow this ministry then we would it would be greatly greatly appreciated we'll be like i said setting up a discord and setting up a patreon and all of those things that, that entails and um, i'm super excited to get into one day taking this joker to to video and be able to sit down and actually work on some application inside of these discussions and and really expounding upon what we've what we talked about but the true thing that i think we're really excited for and where our heartbeat as heartbeat is inside of this ministry is just to grow that community and to hopefully one day here man this really blessed me and i'm really glad to listen to you guys talk and listen somebody answer my questions not be afraid of the conversation you know and be able to come to us whether it's the guys of under the internet and just a just an email and be encouraged that way so it's personal because i mean that's what we're invited into a personal relationship with god so and I had to get I had to get Eric sat down in front of, in front of a microphone. I've told him ever since we've been our relationship started. I was like, man, we should do a podcast, dude. I was like, you this be like some really good stuff. And he was like, yeah, that's great. I don't know how to do any of that. So <laughs> and, and in that, I don't really know how to do any of it either. So we're just kind of doing the best that we can with what we've got right now. So. Yeah, once again, we just thank you for joining us and we just uh we we look forward to hearing from you. We look forward to you coming back. And Eric, I'd like to thank you once again for 
coming over, sitting down and talking, man. Amen. And I guess closing thought for me would be maybe you've been taught that there are two different covenants. Hmm. Well, you were created to be a disciple, which means learner and that. Amen. Yeah. I'm just trying to open your mind to maybe being taught there's other ways of looking at it and then weighing those two and seeing which one leads you into a relationship that you can flesh your faith out one that you can read the entire scripture and we don't have to skip parts and to be able to 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 honestly go after what i would love for every one of us to hear is well done my good and faithful servant one day and well done my good and faithful servant kind of means you live the life being a servant and our biggest disconnect is not knowing how and we know that the harvest is white we just don't know how to get on the field and be workers and so once again, that's our, that's our heart is to be able to bring together the things that we've always known and been taught and then put them in contrast tension with, hey, but have you thought about that? And have you thought about this? And doing that together, not just me and Mick, but wh- whoever this community grows into, I just pray that God uses us. And yeah. thank you for your time. Yeah, amen, man. So yeah, we'll see you on the, on the other side. And I believe uh, the next episode we will be discussing the tension between salvation and discipleship. Isn't that right? Sounds great to me. Okay, wonderful. So we look forward to that, and we hope that y'all tune in for that one too. Once again, God bless, and y'all have a great day. All right, bye.